so we are, we are in this sermon series called This Christmas, and uh, we kicked it off last week, and we kicked it off last week with uh, the idea of This Christmas. It's called This Christmas I Choose, and so last week it was This Christmas I Choose to Cover, and Pastor Pitts talked about that uh, we all have opportunities to cover others, and the story we looked at in Scripture was the story of Joseph and Mary. Right, Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant, and he's like, what me? And so he was like, I think I'll just be done with this girl, and I'll just let her go quietly. He was going to do it quietly. But the angel came to him, and he said, no, Joseph, you are supposed to take care of this child. You're supposed to take care of Mary. So Joseph made the choice to cover Mary at a time that her life could have been ruined. He said, I'm going to cover over her and protect her. And so we talked about opportunities for us to look for people in our lives that are going through stuff that we can step in and cover them in those situations. But today we're shifting and we're talking about a different choice we have to make in Christmas. And the choice we're talking about today is this Christmas, I choose peace. This Christmas, I choose peace. So let me give you a story to set this up and kind of how God laid this on my heart. So about a month ago or so, it's a Saturday morning and Riley, my daughter and I are going, uh, we're going to on, on an errand. So we get in the car and we're going to drive in and we turn, we're going down Nicholson and we turn on Blue Bonnet and you know, there's like, it's like two lanes of travel going this way. And there's a car in the right and a car in the left and neither of them are going that fast. And this, this SUV comes driving up on this car that's in front of him and he like wants him to move over really bad like he is like right on his butt like i'm not supposed to say butt but it did so you know uh oh uh, anyway so he's right on his rear end and uh he, he's like riding him right he's like tailgating him and he wants him to get off the road and the finally the, the guy moves over but the, 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 the impatient driver is so upset that his day has been interrupted for all of, you know, four seconds waiting for this car to move over that he goes in front of him and whips his car over right in front and runs the car off Blue Bonnet. So the car pulls off, like has to pull into the grass on the side of the road so that he doesn't get hit. And then the guy pulls off in front of him and pulls over with him, but then... The, the, the driver that had been run off the road, he pulls back on and leaves. And I'm slowing down because I'm like, okay, Riley, we're about to have to be a witness for something that's happening. I don't know what's going to happen here, but we're going to be a witness. The police are going to have to know what we saw. And this guy jumps out his car and starts screaming at the guy going by. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like he was, first of all, he was in such a hurry to get past him, but he had plenty of time to run him off the road and then give him a piece of his mind, which I was like, oh, I, I don't know what's up with that. But I just, it, it reminded me, like we see this all the time. We are all like one mistake of somebody, somebody else make one mistake. We're one mistake away from like, all right, it's on. World War III going right now. You held me up for two seconds on the road. I am willing to run you off the road and like get out of the car. And I don't know what was coming next, but it wasn't going to be pretty. Like we all go through life like on edge. Like how many of you have been in that situation where somebody did something to you and it just made you so mad? Like you're fine. You're just going through your day. And then one thing 
and you switch like you could just feel it your blood starts to boil you get hot you get so mad and chances are that person that made you so mad they probably didn't do it on purpose or if they did it was like a little slip in judgment like a tiny thing i doubt this driver got up that morning was like i am gonna drive slow in this lane and hold this guy up today and make his day miserable Right? He wasn't even trying to do nothing. He's just going about his day. But this other, this other driver, he lets him get him so fired up and mad. And we do the same thing. Like we're do, going through our day. Somebody says something wrong to us at the grocery store. Somebody takes our parking spot. Somebody is going too slow walking through the line. Somebody says something to you at work. It takes one thing and we switch. We get so mad. And I, you see it online, right? You watch it. You watch it on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all this. We watch videos of people and they're all just mad at each other. People are always mad. People are always yelling. People are always screaming. Everybody is ready for battle all the time. But is that what God called us to? Did God call us to go through our lives ready for battle 24-7? Like, just, just be ready. And the moment somebody does something to you, just, you just pull out your sword and you attack them. Like, is that what God has called you to? Some of us, it's like, it's like we go into fight mode. And, and my question is, if we go into fight mode, are they going to see Jesus? I mean, some of you are thinking, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure they see Jesus. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to put them in the presence of their maker right now. And they're going to see Jesus and he's going to straighten this out with them. But I think the better option for us as believers is to choose peace. And so that's what I want to talk about today is how we can choose peace, why we should choose peace in those circumstances. You see, Christmas is the perfect time to choose peace because Christmas is when peace showed up. So we're going to look at scripture. We're going to see when that happened because peace enters the world at Christmas. Luke 2. Luke 2. This is the shepherds are in the field. They've been watching over their sheep and these angels appear. And this is what the angels say to them. The angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Okay, so you have to know and understand what's going on here. The Jewish people have for hundreds of years at this point been waiting for peace to arrive on earth. They've been praying for what they call shalom. That's the, 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 the Hebrew word for, for peace is shalom. So they've been waiting for shalom to arrive on earth. They've been told they're going to have this peace. It's going to happen at some point. And they've been waiting. And so the shepherds are out in the field and the angels say to them, peace is here. It arrived today. And it's in the town of David. That's why the shepherds are excited to go see it because they've been waiting for hundreds and hun they haven't themselves, but their people have been waiting for hundreds of years to receive peace. For the first time in the history of the world, peace was present on earth. 
It had never been here up to that point. Jesus came so that we could live at peace. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could live at peace. Before Jesus got here, it was never before possible to have true peace. It wasn't. They, there were peaceful times, but there was never really the ability to have peace. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a minute. But what I want you to understand is now that Jesus is here, peace is on earth. And Paul actually, later in, in, in the New Testament, Paul explains to the new church our instructions of how we are supposed to live at peace with others. He says in Ephesians 4, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit and binding yourself together with peace. As believers, we are called to live our lives bound together with peace, to be marked with peace, not with conflict. Paul does not say, as the church, go out to the world and fight. He says, no, be marked by peace. He says, be marked by patience, by humbleness, by gentleness. That's the calling on our life. It's a hard calling, but that's the calling on our life. Now, there's another verse in scripture that somebody's likely to bring up. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you this counterpoint in scripture that somebody might argue. I don't think we have to live at peace. See, Matthew, in Matthew, Jesus says something a little different. Matthew 10, Jesus says this. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have set a man against his father and a daughter against his mo her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Okay, so hold on. We got a problem here, right? Paul said, live at peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace to the earth. He says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. So Jesus said right there, right? We can have our sword. We can just go to battle every day because he just told us to. But there's a distinction there. There's a very important thing that I need us to get to catch. In Matthew, Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace to the earth. The angels in Luke said peace is on the earth. And there's a difference there because Jesus didn't come to bring peace to earth. Earth is not at peace because Jesus came. Peace is on earth because Jesus came. And that's what we got to be sure we understand. Don't get confused by those scriptures and think that you are to go to battle. Here's what Jesus is saying. When he says that, that, it, that you're going to live by the sword, he's saying this. The gospel that I am bringing is going to cause conflict. It's going to cause conflict between you and your family, between a husband and a wife, between a mother and a daughter. It's going to cause conflict. It's not going to be a peaceful thing for you to share the truth of the gospel because the world might not receive it. They might actually attack you for telling them the truth of the gospel. The gospel itself 
doesn't create this perfect peace because the world isn't going to perfectly receive it. That is what Jesus is saying. John 16, says this. I have told you all this so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus does not promise a peaceful life. Okay? He's not saying you're going to have a peaceful time on earth. In fact, he promises the exact opposite of that, right? He promises that there is going to be trials and sorrows. Because Jesus doesn't promise a peaceful life. He promises you a life at peace. Understand that. It means you're going to have conflict. You're going to have trials and sorrows in your life. And when you say you're choosing peace, it doesn't mean you're, man, I am choosing to live a peaceful life. Well, obviously, we would all make that decision. Nobody got up this morning and went, I'm going to choose to live my day in constant conflict and misery with everyone I come in contact with. Like, who would choose that? Like, I'm going to choose to live my day at peace with everyone. Perfect. But it's not that you're going to choose for the world to be a peaceful place for you. The question is, are you going to choose to receive the peace of Jesus in your life? Are you going to live a life marked by peace? Scripture says, follow Jesus, and he will give you a peace that the world does not understand. That means you're going to live in a place where everybody's going to look and say, man, you should, you should go, you should fight that. You shouldn't put up with that. You shouldn't tolerate that. You should go give them a piece of your mind. And then you're like, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'm at peace. And the world goes, man, if they said that to me, I would, Right? That's the peace that the world doesn't understand, that you wouldn't fight when they think you should. You have that peace because peace came at Christmas. Now, Christmas is a season that involves a lot of gift giving, right? A lot of gifts. Everybody knows. Hopefully, you've been out shopping. If this is news to you, you're supposed to get a gift to the person that's sitting next to you, probably. Um, So, I hope you've been shopping. We had a gift exchange last week at our anchor group uh, at our house, and you know you have these gifts exchanges at parties and stuff at Christmas, and they're always a lot of fun. Um, we had a lot of fun gifts. It was a gag gift exchange, and so um, we had a, a coffee mug that was shaped like a toilet, um, and it had a little poop emoji um, thing on top. Yeah, it was fun. It was pretty cool. We had a game called Taco Cat spelled backwards, which if you want to think about what Taco Cat spelled backwards is, it is taco cat. It's called a palindrome. Um, the, one of my favorites, um, Ryan Harrigill's back in the production room, but he took home an egg separator. That does not sound exciting, but this egg separator, it was like a little coffee mug shaped like an old man's face, and you crack the egg into it, and it had holes in the nostril, so you could just pour it, and it just <laughs> came out, right? That was my favorite. You know, the gifts were funny. They weren't really anything there that anybody was dying to have at the end of the day, except for, I mean, there was one thing. I don't, like, there was, there was some socks. The socks, the socks caused some conflict. They, they, those, the Nickelodeon socks. If you're looking for those socks, the Bankstons to have them, go take them out. 
it's fun to give gifts to each other, right? It's fun to give gifts. People love to give gifts. Even if the gifts don't have great value, we find it fun. In fact, we find funny just to give people gifts, even if they aren't good gifts. Like, why is that? Like, why do we like watching other people open bad gifts? Like, we love to just watch and be like, ha ha. Like, like one of the, one of the gifts, uh, one of the gifts was this bag of M&Ms, which was this coveted thing. It was like one of those giant bags of M&Ms and it was a coveted gift. And the funny part at the end was when Sweet little Devin said to Ryan Roten, hey, you should open the bag of M&Ms. And he was like, wait, what? And there were not M&Ms in the bag. But it was Raisinets, so Raisinets isn't the end of the world. Could have been worse. Yeah, but uh, yeah, why do we love like laughing and watching people open bag gifts? It's, 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 it's just an entertaining thing for us. The, the lucky thing for us is this. Jesus doesn't give gifts the way that we give gifts. Thank goodness. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus gives us peace. He says he doesn't give gifts the way that the world gives. He gives perfect gifts. Ain't no bad gifts coming from Jesus. Jesus gives you peace and there is no joke coming in the bag. It's not like you're going to open it up and there's actually something worse in there. Like it looks like peace. Oh, no, it's a miserable life. (laughs) Like that's not what Jesus is giving you. He gives you the gift of peace. Now, what about revenge? What about revenge? Because that's what you're wanting. When that guy cuts you off on the road, you're wanting revenge. You're wanting to tell them. You want to make sure they know what they did. You want to pay them back, right? When someone does something to you, it makes you so mad. Here's what Romans says. Romans 12 says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what you do, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So far as it is for you, live peacefully with others. That's the instructions we're given. And never avenge yourself. And who does it say revenge belongs to? The Lord. The Lord. Okay. Write this down. You can choose to give peace or take revenge. I want you to see there's something in the way that we say this that lays it right out there, okay? You can choose to give the gift of peace because you have been given the gift of peace. Jesus gave you the gift of peace so you can take it and you can give it to others, but you have not been given revenge. Because if God gave you vengeance, that would mean you'd have to be judged for your sin, God forgave you your sin, and he said, I'm keeping vengeance. I'll take care of that at the end. It's mine. So why is it that you keep trying to give it to other people? You keep taking revenge. It's not yours. You took it from God, and you're giving it to other people. We do not have that option as believers. We've been given the gift of peace, so we should give the gift of peace to others. We should choose peace. We should not take revenge that God didn't give to us. He gave you grace. He gave you peace. 
That's what you give to other people. This Christmas, you're going to have a lot of choices of what to give people. Uh, Christmas is always a season full of choices. You're going to have people wrong you. You know why? Because you're going to deal with family, and that always happens. Like, there's always going to be somebody in your family that does something you don't like. There's that person you're not looking forward to seeing this Christmas. If, if you don't know who it is, it's probably you. Everybody's like, oh, here they come. The question is, when you go and deal with those people that, that try you, that try your nerves, or that, that, that push you, are you going to be peaceful as much as it's up to you? Now, understand, it said as much as it's up to you, live at peace with them. Does that mean it's going to be perfect? No. They might have issues with you. But are you going to be humble and gentle and patient in your dealing with them? So four things real quick. There's four things that happen when you choose peace. The first one is this. Choosing peace gives you a chance to build a relationship. Choosing peace gives you a chance to build relationship. The world expects you to take revenge. And so if I do something wrong to you, I'm expecting, oh, no, I messed up. They're going to do something back to me. And when you choose peace in that moment, I'm kind of taken aback, right? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Aren't you going to get revenge? I did something wrong to you. Shouldn't you do something wrong back to me? And when you choose peace, it gives an opportunity for us to come together and have a relationship there. No one wants to build a relationship with the person that takes revenge on them. You want to reach somebody with the hope and the truth of the gospel? The first thing you have to do is build a relationship with them. And it ain't going to happen if you're known for being a person of vengeance. So you have to choose peace to build a relationship. The second thing that choosing peace does is it leads to restoration. Choosing peace leads to restoration. Do you have broken relationships in your life that you're wanting to be healed? Chances are you do. You have somebody that's wronged you, somebody that's hurt you. And maybe this season, this Christmas, you're going to go back and you're going to interact with those people that have hurt you and you wish things could be better. But there's this thing that happened in the past and you're hoping it could be better. But in your mind, the way that the way that you get things better is to hold them accountable for what they did to you. And that's a hard thing because we all feel like, man, there should be some justice, some accountability. But God says, you choose peace and I'll take care of the accountability later. If you choose peace with people that wronged you, you can have a chance of restoration with them in your lives to restore broken relationships so this past week, uh, this past week, I, I got the privilege of being in a, a fun meeting um, with some of my um, daughter's coaches at her school. Um, and uh, there was a, an event that happened a couple weeks ago in which there was some tension between Riley and one of her coaches. And uh, the coach had made a mistake and it caused tension. And Riley told him that it caught that it hurt her feelings and it hurt a lot of people's feelings and, and it kind of pushed them apart. And so we got this message that they wanted to have a meeting this week to talk about it. And we went to the meeting thinking we were walking into a meeting to try and heal things. And so it was me and Riley and two coaches. And one of the coaches started the meeting off and he started it off very aggressively, 
very much tried to make sure that, that Riley had made a mistake and there was something wrong here and you need to account for what you've done and, and started pushing us apart from each other. And there was this point in the meeting where it flared up and there was an opportunity for it to just, I mean, it could have gone downhill fast. Like we could have left that meeting screaming at each other, everybody mad. And by the grace of God, I was able to keep my cool, right? And like, hey, it's, it wasn't by me. <laughs> and say, hey, look, look, man, let's, let's calm down. Let's calm down. Nobody else here is fired up like this. This isn't the time for this. Let's calm down. Let's try and figure this out. And the other coach, the coach that actually is Riley's coach, he said, hold on, that's not what I want. I'm trying to heal our relationship. I'm trying to heal this relationship and restore it. That's my goal today. And in that moment, there was the perfect illustration of two ways to handle conflict. Because we entered that room actually about this far apart. But unfortunately, we kind of got pushed further apart to start. And the other coach saw it and he said, hold on. I don't want this wedge between us. This isn't my intentions. Please, let's set that aside and let's come together. And in the end, there's an opportunity for them to have restoration, and they've been able to have conversations since then, and, and it's going to heal. But we have to be willing to fight for peace, to fight for peace. And that means you've got to be able to sit back and, and let things go. You've got to be able to kind of calm things down, to put fires out, to seek restoration. The third thing that choosing peace does is choosing peace leads to new growth. Choosing peace leads to new growth. Jesus was peace on earth, right? When Jesus was here, he was peace on earth, and we are his ambassadors since he left. Our job is to now be peace on earth to others. So when we choose to be peace in a situation, we become more like Jesus, that helps grow our relationship with the Father. We get closer to the Father so that we can connect and, and have that tighter bond of unity with God the Father. If we don't choose peace, we separate ourselves from God because God doesn't want you to be vengeful. Each time you choose peace, it gets easier. Why? Because our human nature... Our human nature never had peace in it. It's not in us. It's the nature of the spirit within us that gives us peace. And so if you choose peace once, you get closer to the Father and you can hear the spirit better. And that gives you the ability to choose peace the next time. And then you get closer to the Father and your spirit's louder in your ear. And it just keeps building and building so that you have that opportunity. If you're finding yourself constantly flared up and constantly at battle, don't be depressed about it. Just say, I need to choose peace one time this week and then one time the next week and then one time and then for long it'll be two times and three times and it gets easier. It gets easier because the more you choose it, the more you grow closer to the Father because you grow closer to your spiritual nature and further away from your human nature. The last thing is this, choosing peace leads to blessing. Choosing peace leads to blessing. Matthew 5, 9, this is Jesus 
when he does the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus says the peacemakers will be blessed because they're going to be known as the children of God. You're wanting to know how people could know that you follow after Jesus, that you are a child of God? Choose peace. Because when you choose peace, it's going to stick out and people are going to say, that's something weird about that person. And you can say, it's because I'm a child of God. That's why I'm different. It also says that when you choose peace, that because you're a children of God, that means you're an heir of God, right? And heirs comes with blessings. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily earthly blessings. This isn't when you choose peace this week, your bank account's going to get bigger. It might not. In fact, you might choose peace and because of it, you might lose something. There might be some loss and sacrifice, but that's okay. Because we're talking about the inheritance of God the Father at the end of time. And that's much bigger than whatever you're going to lose temporarily here. I have a final scripture for us on peace. Isaiah 9. This is the, this is the, the, the um, scripture that, that foretells the coming of the Savior the prophecy of the child that says for to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace and of the government of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We seem to think that Jesus is going to be this great ruler that's going to just fight. And at the end of time, he's going to put a stop to everything. He will come riding through and destroy evil. But that's not what we are called to. We are called to be a part of his peace, to be his ambassadors of peace. So I want to come back to this idea of shalom, biblical peace or shalom that the, the Jews have been looking for, for for all this time. It's not the absence of fighting. That's not exactly what, the, it, it, it's part of that. But shalom isn't just that there would not be fighting. It's actually a word picture. It means complete restoration or healing. And the, the word picture with, 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 with the Hebrew language, so many of their, their words, it's actually an image of something to give an idea of what it means. And the image here is the image of a complete wall. So a wall that has been completely built. It's actually where we get the term mending fences. When you find peace with someone, you mend fences. You bring them to completeness. You heal the fence. Jesus didn't come to remove conflict because conflict's going to continue to exist. Like we said, his gospel brings conflict. Jesus came to mend perfectly the relationship between God and man. He makes our relationship possibility with God complete because before him, it was broken. There was no complete path to knowing God the Father before Jesus. And that's why for the first time with Jesus, we have shalom. We have the ability to have a perfect relationship with God the Father. So when you came in, you, you should have gotten one of these little bricks. If you didn't, man, your life's going to be missing a brick. You can get one on the way out. So 
our lives are kind of like these bricks. All of our bricks are a little different. We have different colored bricks, different shaped bricks. Some of your bricks connect in different ways. We can use these bricks in two different ways. We can take these bricks and we can, we can go through life putting our brick in to help build other people up, to find their weaknesses and their holes, and to bring them into a more complete understanding of who God created them to be. Or we can walk around with these bricks and we can take our bricks and we can throw them at people's walls and we can say, man, you messed up and I'm going to use my brick as a sledgehammer and I'm going to break your wall down further. Because bricks can be used for force or for building. See, in my ministry, early in my ministry, I misunderstood how God created me. I relished in the fact that, you know what? I don't have a whole lot of emotional ties to some things. And so I have a really easy ability to just tell people, nope, you're wrong. And so I would, I, I remember distinctly one staff meeting I had at the first church I was at. And, and there was a person there whose idea wasn't the right idea. And the way that I explained it to him was like taking my brick and just smashing it right into him. Like, you're wrong. That's not the way to do it. And in fact, the staff member got up and left the meeting. And my pastor pulled me aside and he was like, what you're saying is right, but your heart and how you're expressing it is wrong because you just broke your relationship with them. And if you want to continue to have people to work with in ministry, you got to learn how to build them up and bring them along. And so I had to learn over time how to take my brick and go in and, and heal things and help people understand and grow. And God's been great. God has used me in so many situations. Uh, one of the things that, that it, I look back on my ministry and I know God has used me to, to come in and fix things at churches. Um, and, and it's been all kinds of things, but God will bring me in and I'm there and, and it's like, there's this problem and you need to fix it, whether it's staffing or organization or, or uh, location or equipment or production. And so I come in and I work and I try to bring it to a complete understanding of what it's supposed to be at that point in time. And the, the great thing about that is I get to see things get better. The challenging thing is often at the end of that, God says, well done. Now I have another wall I need you to mend. And for my family, God has revealed that that is what's happening for us at this point. My wife found out uh, a couple weeks ago that her job's actually going to be calling her to Dallas, Texas. And so this summer, not tomorrow, this summer, my family is going to be transitioning away from Anchor Chapel, which is a hard thing for us because more than any church in the history of my ministry, my heart is connected to this place. And I have been able to see how God has used us to build a more complete wall that is ready to charge ahead for the future. The problem is God says, there's another wall that I'm going to need you to work on. And it's going to be tough. But the good thing is, we got six months. We got a lot of time. 
And I don't need you stressed about what's that going to mean for the church and what's that going to mean. It, 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 don't be stressed out about what it means for the church. We got plans. We got stuff going. God's already bringing stuff together. It's good. Don't stress about that. What I want you to hear is God uses us wherever we are to make an impact for his name. And sometimes our impact is short and sometimes it's long, but that's okay. You do what you can and know that it might, you might not have forever. So you do everything that you can. So that's what's going on with me, but I don't want you to leave today just thinking about me. I want you to think about your life. So if you will, wherever you are, if you'll just stand with me, because, uh, a message isn't about me. The message is about us. What will you do with the bricks that you have? Will you use your brick to bring peace and restoration to others? Will you use your life to help others be more complete in what God created them to be? Or are you going to go through life taking vengeance and revenge and tearing people's walls down and leaving them more broken further away from what God created them to be. I said earlier that you can't give a gift that you haven't received. And so what I want to say is if you've never received the gift of peace, you're going to have a hard time giving that gift of peace away. So maybe this morning you're saying, man, this is a great idea of giving peace, but I really don't even know if I've met peace Jesus came to earth, but I've really never met him as my savior. So how am I supposed to give him peace to others? And so I want to give you an opportunity to receive the gift of peace this morning. So if you will, if everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes with us this morning. We have the gift of peace coming at Christmas. And if you choose to receive that peace in your life, God says that you will have a relationship with God the Father, that the vengeance that's waiting for you at the end of time will be forever forgiven and forgotten. You don't have to worry about getting to heaven and God saying, it's time to pay, because Jesus paid for the vengeance that God was saving for you. But you have to claim it this morning. And so if you haven't done that this morning, if you will, if you will just pray with me, say, Father, I choose your peace. Father, I receive the gift of your son, Jesus. Father, thank you for forgiving me and not taking revenge for my mistakes. God, I pray that you would use me to bring glory to your name. I pray that you would use me to bring peace on earth. And God, I promise to live my days seeking after you. Now, some of you here in this room, you've already received that gift of peace before. This Christmas, are you going to choose to bring peace or are you going to choose to take revenge? Are you going to rebuild and restore You have to make the choice. You have to make the choice of peace. So I want to pray over you, if you will, if you want to be a person that builds peace into others, if you'll just take your brick and just hold it up right here in the air. The peace is not in the brick. The peace is in the Father. But I want you to have this brick to remember what your purpose is. So Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you at this time. And we raise 
our lives to you. And we pray that you would use our lives to bring peace to others. God, I pray that you would calm us when we're in those situations that we could choose violence or anger or frustration. I pray that you would calm us, that you would give us the ability to let go and to leave vengeance to you. God, I pray that we would be known as your children because of the peace that we bring into the world and not as some religious person that goes around fighting and angry and bitter at what's going on around us. Lord, this Christmas, we choose your peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.